Thank you for joining us for On a Positive Note. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and each month I'm sitting down with a songwriter, recording artist, or music insider to learn how music can lift our spirits and heal our hearts. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which makes it the perfect time to talk to today's guest. Jennifer Buchanan is an acclaimed music therapist and author of the new book, Wellness Well Played, The Power of a Playlist. She's here to talk about why music and mental health go hand in hand, how you can harness the power of music to change your state, and how to create a purposeful playlist that just might change the way you listen to life. Jennifer, welcome to On a Positive Note. Thank you so much for having me. You are the perfect guest to have for this episode because the whole month of May, we're talking about mental health. And you, of course, know better than most people how good music is for our mental health. And and before we really unpack that, I wanted to talk about like why is it important for us to start to realize the effect that music has on us? Yeah. So, you know, I have been giving a lot of thought to this over the 30 years that I've been a certified music therapist and working with a variety of people. My youngest client's been two months old and my eldest has been 104. And, you know, mental health is certainly something that all of us experience, value, but really we've started talking about it at such a higher level over this last decade or so that I have found. Mm -hmm. And as we're doing that, this connection about how music can be a bridge to our wellness has just kept coming up for me over not only in a clinical session where I might be working with someone going through some of the most difficult time in their life. They might have just been in a car accident or had a stroke or been diagnosed with dementia. You know, like there's all these things that can happen, but it's also been the day-to-day wellness and emotional wellness of people that I have found that it's just come to the foreground on how much music supports people. And they know this naturally. My job is now to connect them more deeply so they use music with intention so they can use music on purpose for their mental health. Absolutely. Because it seems like as, in my own journey anyway, as a teenager, when I really Mm. started discovering music and it was central to my life, it became so important. And throughout my life, that was a huge driving force for me. And For my friends, it seemed like by the time we hit like uh, late 20s, early 30s, it became less important to them. You know, they start, Mm -hmm. it's like, I've got kids, I've got my shows and things like that. Yeah. And and music didn't play a central role in their lives. How important is it for us to kind of get back to that? I mean, not everyone has to go crazy and go to concerts to the extreme that I have, but but at, at that same time, to be able to reconnect with it, how important is that? You know, I really love that observation of how it can happen where, you know, we're accumulating so much music and literally feeling like we're digesting it during junior high and high school. Oh, absolutely. And then there's this period of time for so many, you're right, during that young adulthood and maybe even moving into our 30s where I like how you brought up the concept that, you know, we got some major distractions, be it a family or relationships or something else was going on. And I do see that as a trend. I do see that as a theme in people's lives. And I feel we're missing out by 
not using music through that period of time where where a lot of stresses are starting to build. But yeah, we get distracted and we might step away for it for a bit. So just a point of a stat for your listeners today, it looks like we only really add five or 10% new music post the age of 30 or 35. Oh my gosh, Every, really? Right? Yeah. And so most of the music we're collecting is exactly in the time you're talking about that junior high school, maybe a little bit into young adulthood, especially as people go off to say university or new work environments. And what I like to get people to do is to recognize that music still has a place and a role in our life to help us, one, with productivity, and two, to help us unstress. And the music we're going to use to do that is often that music we've heard in our junior high and high school life that we are really connected to. And so if we start the playlist that I start with in the book, and it was really hard to decide which one to start with, (laughs) is the mega playlist, which is your personal soundtrack. So just to your point, what I'm going to suggest is if we break down our life into decades, and so whether you are 18 right now or 68 right now, you'll have a separate piece of paper either on your computer or actual paper on your table. And you can begin to document your memories of what the music you have listened to, your personal soundtrack. And you can see where your preferences changed and how you grew. And you can add all the concerts you've been into and the posters you had on your wall. (laughs) And you can do all those things along your personal soundtrack. And I think it would be interesting for people to recognize, okay, so Yes, I had a little bit of music in those earliest of days. Maybe you were fortunate to have a mom or a grandparent who sang to you, or you might have had a jewelry box that you opened up with a dancing girl and some music played, and you can document that. And then you went off to grade school, and maybe you learned recorder or ukulele, or you sang in your first choir. And then those junior high and you're in the rumpus room and you're hanging out (laughs) with your friends and you have shuffleboard or pool in the basement. And what were you listening to in high school? You can think about your high school dances that you went to, what kind of music, what was your hair looking like at the time? And then going into that young adulthood, was there some music during that time for you? And really stretch your mind, think about what was happening. And perhaps it was listening to your kids' music because you might have had children. And so you can document some of that and move all the way up to today. And this is going to be the first piece of auditory perspective we can gather by doing that large personal soundtrack of the music that has literally been the backdrop to all the things happening. And then the next question will be, where were some of the gaps? If there was a gap, what was happening at that time? Because that's important to recognize too, where we listen to a lot of music or where we take space in the music are indicators of something going on. Oh, interesting. Well, first of all, as you were talking through the development of this, I could just, I was, I had the smile on my face because like many of the people who are listening, I'm sure all these things start flashing in your head. 
you know, of the songs, the concerts, the dances, the, all those things that happened and <laughs> what transpires within us just in the compilation of these mm-hmm. songs. What do you see in people as, just <laughs> as they start cataloging all the musical choices? Right. So besides the, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, I remember <laughs> that. And and that sort of energy can happen. I often call it, it's like our back to the future DeLorean. It's our time traveling <laughs> machine, you know, like we start seeing our lives in technicolor and, you know, it's interesting what's happening at a brain level. There's no other activity we know of that stimulates more areas of the brain simultaneously than when we listen to music that has inspired us, that has been so deeply ingrained, and our brain just gets completely lit. And so, yeah, you see that physical response as well. You see the smile, you see the eyebrows raise, you see the sparkly eyes, and all those things can happen when someone's having those particularly significant memories. There's one other thing that can happen for us as music therapists, because as I was mentioning, people are going through some of the most difficult times, often when we're seeing them in a clinical way. And it reminds them, and they will often say this in a variety of different ways, to truly who they are, that they're not a hospital gown, that they're not a diagnosis. This music brings me right back to who I truly am as a human being and a contributor to the society and what I'm all about. So it's really lovely to see that as well. And for their brain state, what is it Mm. doing? Because one, it's you're connecting them on a whole different level of, like you said, reshaping the identity that they've been mm-hmm. connected to for however long. So what's going on mm-hmm. inside their brain? Because yeah. you do a great job in the book. First of all, thank you for the illustrations so we see where our parts of the brain are so we can <laughs> figure out what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, tell us what happens mm-hmm. as we're actually listening to it. Yeah. So as you're listening to it, and of course, you're going to access the different areas. So the auditory cortex, the motor cortex is where, you know, when you're tapping a toe or when you're dancing. But the other pieces that are really significant when we're talking about mental health, and perhaps you can follow me along. We have heard about this amygdala, which is a really tiny place in the brain. And when it's on fire, That is when you are wanting to fight, flee, or freeze. That is when it's triggered, you begin to worry about something over and over again and cycle over that same thing. And it's so difficult to make a decision. And perhaps some of you can relate to that. In these last couple of years, I've seen a lot of people go through. I've myself gone through that where I've just gone, I don't even know what to do next. (laughs) And so our amygdala is on fire. And what happens when we go into this state where we think about our memories of music, when we're putting together something as simple as a playlist, when we're delving into the history of one of our favorite bands, when maybe we're doing some art or writing as we're listening to music in the background, anything going into that creative takes us right into this beautiful hippocampus area where music and memory is stored, the creative energy starts to form, we start to feel warmer, we start to feel 
as if some space has been created that gives us the margin we need, that then we go into that executive functioning and can make a decision. So it's this beautiful sort of bridge. We move from that on fire amygdala, the hippocampus gets activated, which fans the flame that amygdala is no longer getting all the attention in the brain. We've got this beautiful, creative, warm energy happening. And then all of a sudden, we're able to make a good decision. And that can be very useful when you are going through some tough times. Yeah, because when the amygdala hijacks your system (laughs) and you have anxiety and all these things going on, it's you're frozen and you just... Totally. Cannot respond. So how do we then start using music to pull us out of situations like that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many ways. This is the real root of the book. It started at the beginning of the pandemic. And I can remember, and maybe you do too, but there were when Italy was going through suffering with COVID and we were seeing it here, but it hadn't reached us yet. And Italy was suffering with COVID. And all of a sudden, I remember watching on social media, this man go out to his balcony And he started to sing a song in Italian that I have never heard before, but it was very evident as soon as everyone down the alley, because they were quarantined and locked up, so they're all on their balconies, starting to sing the same song that was familiar to them in their community. And there was this moment where you could sense and see in their faces the moment of relief and connection that had been taken from them from being quarantined and locked up. And so you just saw that switch back into that level of connection. And so what we can do is something very, very similar. One is if you have ever had a second where you want to join a choir or (laughs) if you want to learn that guitar or if you just want to do some YouTube videos and put together your own karaoke party, you can absolutely do that. I put together the book because I wanted to take people more intentional into this playlist. And although I mentioned just a few minutes ago that playlists are simple, I do recognize they're not easy. Anything we do with intention is not easy because it's going to take some energy, time, and a little bit of resource for us to use. But the book is the guide to help you through that. So we talked about starting with one playlist, which is this mega personal soundtrack, but the book takes you through a variety of different options of ways you can look at it. And later in the book, I talk about something called a signature 12. And so it's almost the opposite of that big playlist. It's curating it down into your 12 signature songs, the 12 legacy pieces. And I share a story about Gwen who gave me this idea. She had learned she was dying of cancer and wanted to have a moment with her daughter and her sister and and go through her 12 signature songs. And she later put all 12 on a CD and left for people who attended her funeral six weeks later. And that concept of her curating her life into these 12 beautiful songs, 
they were absolutely a way for her to stop worrying around the death and dying process and move into this creative place and a more peaceful place with a way for her to make this decision to then leave gifts for everybody that she has come to love and adore. And, and ultimately, she was able to say goodbye. And see, and that's such a beautiful story. And what strikes me about that, too, is in addition now, she is really living on with them because mm. every time one of those songs comes on, you know, that that friend is going to go back to, oh, there's Gwen. And it's going to, totally, you know, it's going to trigger totally. like this beautiful memory. Right. And it keeps that connection going. And I just, I love that so much. And, and what it does for both parties mm, is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, and you also talk about an anchor song. Mm-hmm. Explain. I love that concept as well. <laughs> right. That we anchor a song to something very specific that we need. So this could be to a moment or this could be to a certain feeling. And a great exercise to get us to our anchor feelings is to recognize a time in our day where you wouldn't mind a little improvement. You know, we all have that. Like I know mine's later in the afternoon, like about now. But hopefully I'm I'm doing all right. But later in the afternoon and when we hit that dinner time and it's very interesting for me because at dinner time, it isn't that I mind coming down. I'm a morning person, so I don't mind coming down just into a more chill state around dinner. What makes dinner time difficult is when the person says, "Uh, what's for dinner? And you're in your going down time and now you've had a demand put on you. So I like to have an anchor song that can help me attach to the mood that I want to have at dinner time. And mine, that I, the mood that I'm wanting to have is to be nurtured and to be loved. And one of the songs I use for that is Keb Moe's Love Train. So when I hear Love Train, either at dinner time or honestly any other time, it takes me to just feeling loved. And that's what an anchor song can do for you is that it immediately takes you into that deep connection to a feeling that you want to have, that you aspire to have. And that particular song is just one of them that can do it immediately for me. It's so powerful to sit down and recognize what effect those songs have on you Mm -hmm. and which ones you really connect with. And as I was reading your book, and this is something that has come up in discussions before, you know, we know that music affects your mood. So does that mean that so sad songs are something you shouldn't listen to? Or talk about that, how (laughs) different types of music affect us, because it's not always what you'd think. Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, sad music, bad. That's (laughs) something I get asked a lot. And if we think about it, then when we do go towards our sad music, and I'm using air quotes right now, because I think a lot of us do, you know, we gravitate to a certain sound when we need it. And sometimes it's that what we would classify as sad music and what your sad music is, is going to be very different than what I would classify as my sad music. But what's happening in that moment is that we are seeking out validation. We're looking for someone to understand us. And 
I would suggest that when we listen to sad music because we're feeling a little bit lower, we often feel better after, which is a great indicator that that validation and connection has just worked. Where I would just put a quick caveat, if listening to whatever you classify as your sad music because you've gravitated to that. If you're listening to it and you don't feel better after you've listened to it, that's when I do feel it's really important we reach out to a mental health professional because most likely something else is going on and it's an indicator. So we can't always just self-soothe. Sometimes we need to get some supports. Right. Right. And, you know, obviously in this time of Spotify, we're all familiar with playlists because they are constantly giving us a new one. It's like, here's your daily mix. Here's your, it's like, calm down, Spotify. And (laughs) what I love about your approach is you talk about making a purposeful playlist. Mm. So talk about the difference between someone Mm. curating a playlist and making a purposeful playlist. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly we can use any of the streaming services to put our final playlist together. But yeah, it's not about letting the the machine learning choose the music for you. Purposeful playlists is about you putting in some level of work and intention for yourself. And I put this to the test for myself at the end of 2021 as I was preparing for 2022 and really, really hoping we weren't going to have another year of COVID. That's what I was hoping. (laughs) But I was realizing that what had happened over the 2020 and 2021 is that I lost a little bit of drive And just, you know, that I felt like I was no longer in the driver's seat, that someone else was driving and I was just having to react and and be there. It's like being in a really bad Uber. It was that. It was that. And so I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to focus putting my purposeful playlist around is... I want to create a playlist around the word drive, the feeling drive. I was able to use it in both ways. And I just added drive my dream because I didn't want to stop dreaming and living this dream of being an entrepreneur and loving to be a music therapist and and making sure I was still a good leader and manager with my team of therapists that I have the pleasure to work with every day. So I wanted to keep driving this dream. And as I put together my purposeful playlist, I went through everything the book talks about. You know, I broke down music. I looked at the different elements and what seemed to be the most important for my playlist was groove. I needed to have the right groove. So I put together all the songs that I came across and that I could feel and I found myself wrestling with it. You know, it was not easy. I was wrestling with it because I felt guilty. I didn't put a certain song on there that (laughs) I loved, but it didn't suit the purpose part of this playlist, which was Drive My Dream. And so it took a little bit of time. People can still find it on my website if they like, but yeah, it's called Drive Your Dream. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a terrific, we are going to include a link to that. Oh, Um, yeah. So they can go directly to that. And your website has so many fantastic resources. Mm -hmm. 
And, and in the big picture of things right now, like I said before, we're really looking at mental health throughout the month mm. of May and the struggle is so mm. high right now. And when you look at the statistics, we're seeing things daily so about how it's affecting children, about mm-hmm. how much it has increased in the past couple of years. So mm-hmm. what role does music play in getting all of this healing back on track mm. and helping us through this time as we transition back into whatever our lives are going to look like now? Yeah, I think we're all aware that mental health takes a lot of ingredients. And yes, music is certainly one of them. I would suggest that if I was going to give you my top tips, my top three tips right now, one is take a minute and look at your preferences. What have you been the most drawn to lately? And identify why. Maybe you've been looking for music that energizes you or soothes you. So, you know, start thinking about what your preferences are. Second thing is I would recognize that music is a blend of sound and silence. And silence is okay sometimes. And we need to have both in our lives. We need to have the sound part and we need to have the silence part. And music often works best when we do little snippets of it throughout the day instead of having it on 100% of the time. It just activates our health a little bit more when we put it on at specific times. And I'm going to say the third thing, really important things to explore new music. If a growth mindset's important to you, exploring new music, finding out from your parents, your grandparents, your children, what music they're listening to right now, asking them why they're listening to it. Take a minute to listen through it with them. Perhaps as you're watching television and your toe starts tapping to the music in the background, or perhaps you get all the feels and a little tear and you feel good, to just jot down a few lyrics and put those in your browser so you can find that song and explore some new music. And that's just going to help us keep moving forward. I always like to say that a song is never just a song and a play playlist is never just a playlist. A song someone's really meaningful moment and a playlist is a part of a really meaningful journey and we've got a lot more journey to live and music needs to be a part of it. I love that. I could not have wrapped it up better than that. So I'm just not going to say anything else. Thank you so much for being on this show and giving us your wisdom. This is a terrific book. We're going to tell our listeners how they can find it, how they can find you. And thank you again for all that you're doing. Thank you so much, Paula. That was Jennifer Buchanan, music therapist and author of the new book, Wellness Well Played, The Power of a Playlist, talking about how we can use music as a tool for healing and growth. If you'd like to learn more about Jennifer, follow her on social media, buy her book, or access the many free resources she offers, just visit livehappy.com and click on the podcast link. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of On a Positive Note and look forward to joining you again next month. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.